live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. On this channel, we are sophisticated worldly people, and as such, it takes a lot to impress us. Oh my god, that cloud looks like a dog! Are you, are you seeing this? This is the press box. Being out there against the Nets, I realized that basketball is an impossible sport played by giants and gods. With Grainy and Bischoff. Tweet it, talk it, put it in your pocket. I've made a flimsy take and I'm proud of it. On ESPN Las Vegas. Dude, shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us were captivated by the California Raisins. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Thanks for joining the show. Just did my self-assessment. It came on the air. Nobody listening knows what that means. No. <laughs> did you pass? Yes, I passed. I'm healthy. Feel healthy. <laughs> you guys, you're both healthy? I haven't I done mine so. yet. So okay. we'll find out later. <laughs> First commercial break. Great way to start the show. Yes, absolutely. Self-assessment that nobody yes. knows what we're no, talking about. No, of course about. not. Well, I mean, is this new? Are we saying this is original? That half the time we're talking about things people don't know? Hopefully they do. Uh, I try to do that. Makes it know? more interesting when they don't have any idea what we're talking about. Yeah, to, to us, I guess. <laughs> Not to anybody listening. The first Thought we were going to keep going with that. Are the Raiders the second best team in the AFC West? I don't think so. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, the Broncos, Who is? Broncos, forget about it. I, I know the Chargers have a bunch of injuries, but I'm watching them last week, and I know who they played. I still think Herbert has the edge over Carr, and I think that means the most important thing. And I know they're hurt. Although, they're going to get Keenan Allen back? Supposedly. Yeah, they're going to get Keenan I mean, Allen. That'll help. The left tackle hurt them. Um, they've got They've got injuries, but... I mean, the Broncos aren't even, to me, they're not even in the discussion after watching them live. Uh, and then they lose the running back for the year. Um, no, I, I still... And it was a three-point game still, in the fourth quarter. You I still can't think, completely throw the Broncos away. I'm throwing them under the bus. I think, <laughs> I think the Chargers are still the second-best team in the division. So, right now, I'm, I'm going to give you a few different rankings. If you go by pro football focus, Kansas City is the second-best team in the league. Uh, the Chargers rank 16th, according to Pro Football Focus, the Broncos 20th, and the Raiders 22nd. And the big difference there is that the Broncos have the 7th best defense in the NFL. They have the 27th best offense, uh, but according to PFF, they have the 7th best defense. Now, if you go by expected points added, uh, if you look at the offenses, Kansas City's number one. Chargers are 11th, Raiders are 12th, Denver 22nd. If you look at the defenses... Denver's 7th, Kansas City's 13th, Raiders are 17th, and the Chargers are 19th. Uh, so Not that Chargers, away. Broncos, Raiders grouping are all pretty close, right? Those are all teams so far that you would say are around 15 to 20th in the NFL. And if we're trying to figure out the rest of the season and who's going to be the second best the rest of the season, it would be easy to say the Chargers... If I knew they were healthy, but their left tackles out for the year. Joey Bosa is coming back in seven weeks at the earliest. And Justin Herbert, is he playing the whole year with broken or bruised rib cartilage? Like that's not getting I mean, better, I right? I don't think it's getting better. He was, oh, he was okay last week. I don't so, think it's getting better. It's, it's hard to, it's hard for me to actually say, oh yeah, the Chargers are definitely better 
than the Raiders and the Broncos the rest of the season. And I would actually say, I think the Broncos have the most upside. Why? Because they're defensively and they can get better offensively even with you-know-who Colin plays? Yes. They are a top 10 defensive unit. Nobody else in this division can say that. They're top 10 defensive unit. We have seen Russell Wilson play well in the past. We've seen Russell Wilson as one of the, what, five or six best quarterbacks in the league. So if Russell Wilson becomes the ninth best quarterback in football the rest of the season, the Broncos are probably the second best team in the division. Right. It's a a big if, but we're not going to see a healthy chart, right? The if on the Chargers is, are they healthy? Right. Is Justin Herbert able to play through whatever this injury is for the whole season? Does Joey Bosa come back? Does Keenan Allen come back? And then on top of that, do they not sustain more important injuries the rest of the year? That's probably going to happen. They're probably going to have more injuries the rest of the season. For the Raiders, the if is, what's the if on the Raiders? Is Derek Carr going to be any good? Because he's been bad to start this season, right? I mean, the if's on the Raiders, Chandler Jones going to actually Jones? play football. I guess I mean, the Raiders how, have a little bit of upside. How long is Hunter going to be out? Yeah. So I think there's there's an issue there. He had in the concussion issues in college. I think he's going to be out for a while. I think right now, Chargers are the second best team in the division. But if we're projecting out the rest of the season, I think there's a lot of upside to say the Broncos can be the second best team in this division. And then the Raiders exist where if the Raiders can can get decent production out of a Derek Carr, decent production out of a Chandler Jones, they've got enough talent that they can overtake a Broncos and a Chargers team that might falter. And that leads me to answer my, I put the rundown together. I asked this question that leads me to the answer of, I don't know who the second best team in the division is. (laughs) I mean, right now, if I had to choose, I would do BYU and I choose the Chargers. Do you believe they'll finish? I want to see Denver continuing to play well defensively, given they gave up 144 (laughs) yards to Josh Jacobs. Do you believe the Chargers will finish second with 10 wins at the end of the year? I would put that more to the yes than the no right now. Okay. And to me, a lot of that comes back to how healthy is Herbert, right? Is he able to keep playing relatively well through this? Right. Or is there going to be a, hey, we're in week eight and nine, and he's just gotten beat up for eight straight weeks. And okay, he's not feeling well. He Remember when the first game he got hurt in, that one pass on third down where he just like threw it five yards in front of him straight into the ground. Like. Do we see that again? Because if we do... I mean, the Justin Herbert of last week, I think, can finish second. Right. He doesn't get to play the Houston Texans. No, you don't get to play the Texans. But I thought, you know, he didn't he didn't show much uh, remnants from the from the cartilage. It was also the first time the Chargers have run the ball. I think they've, yeah. they've been like... played really well. I think they've been under like 50 yeah. rushing yards Eckler or something really until last well. week. Like, they have not run it at all this season. So, it's just a... a Weird division at the moment where I don't really know if any of the three behind the Chiefs are any good. And my follow-up question to this whole conversation, does this division suck? Well, it's not as good as we thought it, right? <laughs> because the whole offseason and the whole preseason was, okay, this is by far the best division in football. And what has happened so far, I think, disproves that, at least to the point of, like you said, I'm going to stick with the Chargers, but... I don't know if it's a runaway winner. So if you don't really know who the second place team is, or the second best team, and it's not because there's parity of great teams throughout. You can have right. like second, third, and fourth. You're all great. And you're like, all right, we're choosing between them. That's not the case right now. So I don't know if it's, as, well, I do know that it's not as good a division right. as we thought it was. I'm curious to see. I think there will be two playoff teams from this division. Because if you look across the AFC right now, 
Uh, Buffalo is obviously very good in the AFC East, but the Jets aren't any good. The Patriots probably aren't any good, and the Dolphins have a it's good record. But it's going to depend on you who's know their who. quarterback. In the AFC North, uh, the Ravens should be good, but they keep blowing three possession leads in the second half. The Bengals are maybe going to turn it around, but they're not any. They're not like leaps and bounds ahead of the Raiders, Chargers, and Broncos at the moment. And then the Steelers with Kenny Pickett, probably not. And then the Browns, maybe they get something figured out. Their schedule gets pretty tough here coming up. And then the AFC South is. The Titans. I mean, the, Titans. the Colts have been a disaster so far. And then, hell, maybe the Jags are going to be the best yeah. team in that division. But it's just like if you look at, there's going to be three wildcard teams. And if you look at who's the second best team in each division, it's hard to pick out a second best team in each AFC division and say, oh, they're clearly better right. than, the than the Chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos. Right. right? So I think there's going to be two playoff teams from this division. Right now, I would lean towards it being the Chargers. You don't think there could be three? There could be. There, there still could be, right? Because but, not because they're great, but because what you said of other divisions, right? Because you look at it. There's gonna again. There's gonna be three wild card teams, and would would anybody be surprised if the Raiders were better than the Steelers, the Browns, the Bengals, the Dolphins without Tua, and the entire AFC South? That's basically who you have to be better than at right. the moment. And I and it wouldn't. I don't think that right. Like right now, they probably won't be better than all of those teams. But it wouldn't be that surprising if the Raiders beat out the Bengals and the Dolphins for the last wild card spot. Like it just wouldn't be, especially if the Dolphins go on a loser. Especially now, if Tua doesn't come back. Right. If let's say Tua comes back in four weeks and they go two and two with uh, Jacoby Brissett in there, um, or Teddy Bridgewater, excuse me, in there, they're fine. Like they're in they're in great shape, right? Because Tua comes back and they should be able to win enough games to get to nine or ten. But if they go zero and four, or if Tua doesn't come back until week fourteen. Then right. Miami's prop. I mean, they'll probably still be in it, but they're probably a seven-win team right. instead of a nine-win team. So it's just we we're four weeks in, and we went from wow, the AFC the West is by so good, and wow, there's like twelve teams in the AFC that look like legitimate playoff contenders. To AFC West isn't that good, and there's not that many playoff. Right. Con- I mean, there's tech. They're contenders, but not because they're all good. They're contenders right. because everybody kind of because everyone kind of stinks. Yeah, and you know, well, it's four weeks. You, it's it's hard to have any separation, right? The Raiders are in last place in the division. They're a whole one game out of second, right? Because right. they're one and three, and it's two and two. But it's just it's funny how how quickly we've changed from oh, could they get all four AFC West teams into all right? Are any of these teams outside right. of the Chiefs that good? Yeah, and then. To go back to yesterday's conversation, the Kansas City Chiefs, my God, like they're just good and the rest of the division is just incompetent. I mean, just year after year, just constant incompetence. This was supposed to be the division. This was supposed to be quarterbacks. The year that the Chargers, who the sexy pick every year, were actually the best pick. Right. This was the and and the quarterbacks in this division. It was like, wow. They've got yep. four of the top Mahomes, 12 quarterbacks Herbert, in the league. Carr, Wilson. And Herbert's actually still been the second best despite his rib injury. Carr and Wilson have been bad. Like EPA numbers, they're neither one's in the top 15. I think they're like 19 and 22nd. Uh, pro football focus numbers, they're both outside the top 20. Like they've been bad. And it's like, okay, you're the Kansas City Chiefs. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got Andy Reid. Hey, you lost Tyree Kill. Who cares? We got 66 tight ends we're going to give the right. ball to in the red zone and score every time we do. Like, my, the only game they've lost was like 
a game they yeah, got that in the red a, zone 46 times and managed of, to score twice. That was kind of a one-off in terms of, remember, yeah. remember that week we're saying that's kind of a trap there. Right. Everyone said that's a trap. They were going to Indy. Indy stunk. There was just, it was, that was a weird game. That That is not a depiction of who they are. And they far. still, like, stat-wise, were better than the Colts. Like, their yards yes. per play and everything, yeah. their EPA, like, oh, they just got into the red zone and they missed a field goal, missed an extra point, faked a field goal. Travis Kelsey dropped a touchdown pass. Like, just weird stuff that it happens a little bit, but not not usually to not them. all of it at once in one game. And literally, if like any of those things go differently, they probably, win, probably that win that game. game. So it's just like the Kansas City Chiefs just cruising. Just ah, it's going to be a good division. No, not really. Nah, there's some there's some wild card level teams, but yeah, you're winning twelve games again. Yeah. You're winning the division. You're the best team, and it all comes back to Mahomes being unbelievable. Like that, like at the end of the day, Mahomes is unbelievable. And how many times does Patrick Mahomes have a bad game? Yeah. Like twice a year, maybe. And once mm. again, and we're going to talk to Josh McDaniels later today about this. The frustrating part must be, I don't think they'll say frustrating. You could watch a hundred hours of film. I think we said this. You could watch a hundred hours of film. You can walk through, you can do everything on a board and everything. And there's three or four plays you'll never be able to prepare for. Like yeah. the one to Clyde Edwards Hilaire right. last week. He you scrambled around for like eight seconds. For, he <laughs> scrambled for almost 40 yards, eight seconds. You know, spins spins away from Devin White and still is able as he's getting hit out of bounds, yeah. still is able to flip the ball for touchdown. You can't. You could stay and spend every hour of all week preparing for him, and there's like so you like okay, we never thought that was coming. Right. We that need, play happens. We need the old um, John Madden. Okay, he's going to start over here. Then he's going to go over <laughs> here. Then he's going to run over here. Then he's going to yeah. go over here. He's going to spin a little move, and then he's going to throw it to the yeah. end zone. It's crazy. And so, if you're the Raiders, you. Probably have to beat the Chiefs once this year to be a legitimate contender. Right. And it's probably not happening this week. This week, and then I think it's the last game of the season. Is it back here? I think, they got I think lucky. it's back here. Yeah. NFL should have switched, though, so Derek Carr here. had to play in the cold in Kansas City. Instead, he gets them when it's still warm. All right, coming up next. Hey, the Golden Knights won a preseason game. Everything's okay, right? Our fourth line is not anywhere close where it needs to be if they're going to contribute like major minutes to our team in terms of that sort of shutdown role and... and identity line so you know maybe that becomes Carly's line um, we still have a couple games to figure that out but to me that is right now something we have to correct live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios this is the press box with Grady and Bischoff you know with Bruce Cassidy around I don't even think we have to play this song anymore <laughs> <laughs> we, we were a little uh not positive for a long time, so the song was inserted. Uh, and now with him, I think we should just play any song and he'll help us out. <laughs> so the Golden Knights won a preseason game last night against the Coyotes 4-3. to um, That was Bruce Cassidy talking about the fourth line, which was actually like the first line last night. Because they the the way they broke it up, the third, the third, what would be the third and fourth lines in the regular season were the top two lines last night. A lot of silver nights last night. Yes. Um, but that fourth line is Paul Cotter, Nick Waugh, and Keegan Colasar. William Carrier's hurt, presumably. If Carrier were healthy, he would be in place of Paul Cotter. Cotter and it would be Colasar Waugh with William Carrier. But last night, despite the win, so if you look like team performance, they allowed 53 shots <laughs> in that game. Uh, if you look at like team Corsi and expected goals, their Corsi was uh, 42% and their expected goals was 30% at five on five. They got pummeled last night at five on five, 
but they still managed to win the game. And But then if you go and look at the fourth line, which is what Cassie had a problem with, the fourth line's Corsi last night was 31%. The fourth line's expected goals last night was 16%. And then they were on the ice for four high-danger chance uh, against them, and they did not generate they a didn't single generate one. high-danger chance against the Arizona Coyotes. And again, it's the preseason Right, It's not really a a massive deal at the moment, but you hear Bruce Cassidy talk about the fourth line not being anywhere close to where they need to be. Something we have to correct. A little behind right now. And I think it's fair to question like how these games probably do matter for the Nick Waz, for the Keegan Colasars, for the Paul Cotter slash William Carrier, because Bruce Cassidy is clearly not pleased. Because again, he initially in that answer was talking about William Carlson. He was in, that, that was initially about William Carlson, and he went out of his way to be like, the fourth line is not any good, guys. The fourth line is not where they need to be. And so you look ahead. I mean, we're not too far away from the season starting. Are they going to are they going to get from where they are now, which Bruce Cassidy basically says they're not any good, to where Bruce Cassidy expects them to be by the time the season starts? Well, when he said maybe that's Carlson's line, is he s- suggesting that he would go down? So that was the interesting part because he because we only played about twenty seconds of that he talked for about a minute and a half about the fourth line and William Carlson. So William Carlson's playing on the third line, and last night he was with Brett Howden and Mike Lamadio. Right, that's presumably the third line if they played a regular season game today and Cassidy was complimentary of Carlson he said he thinks he's one of the best 200 foot players in the league he can play in the defensive zone and play in the offensive zone and the way he insinuated it was that maybe William Carlson is going to have to take on the role that he's expecting the fourth line to take Mm -hmm. on and the way he talked about it last night it sounds like Bruce Cassidy's expectation is that he's going to play his fourth line or maybe the third line with William Carlson, that he's going to play his two worst lines against the other team's best lines as shut down lines to be like, Hey, go prevent the other team's best line from scoring. Hey, Nathan McKinnon's on the ice. Nick Waugh, you're up. Right. Don't let him score, which to me is fascinating that you would basically be saying, Hey, we expect Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar and William Carrier to be shut down lines of other teams, best players. And what he said, what he was alluding to with William Carlson was maybe we're going to have to ask William Carlson and his line to be that line, to do that, to do that, which I guess implies that he's going to try to get his top two lines against the other team's bottom two lines. And maybe he's just expecting, Hey, my top two lines are going to go dominate their bottom six, and then I need my bottom six to hold their own against their top. But that's that to me is an interesting way to to basically be trying to set it up where it's the preseason, and he's saying, "Hey, I need this Nick Wall line to actually shut things down." Let me ask you this: uh, fifty-three shots. How much of it was Jake Bischoff? Very little. <laughs> top line defenseman. The first goal was actually. A large portion his fault. Uh, okay. The guy, the guy who scored, got a rebound because he got around Jake Bischoff. But uh, ignoring that, wasn't even the biggest mistake that led to a goal last night. Aiden Not Hill, on fifty-three shots. Aiden Hill passed it directly to somebody on the Coyotes, so that's a, a big issue for your goaltender. But uh, no, nah, Jake Bischoff's out there to just block the shots. <laughs> He's not supposed to prevent them from happening. He's just supposed to block them. That's all he does. But yeah, he played, and maybe. Jake Bischoff is going to make the opening day roster. Ooh. So 
since Nick Haig doesn't exist at the moment, right now it would appear that Ben Hutton yeah, is, is going to be is the is sixth six, defenseman. Number six. And would play. And the way Gary Lawless was talking about it was that the seventh spot is likely between Jake Bischoff and Caden Korzak, who were both in the lineup last night. And Gary Lawless last night said that he thinks for Caden Korzak to make the NHL roster, he's got to beat out Ben Hutton because Caden Korzak, as Gary Lawless said, needs to play, which means if he, so if he were to just be better than Jake Bischoff, that means he's the seventh defenseman and he's sitting in the press box for the games until there's an injury. But Lawless thinks that guy needs to play. So if he's, they'd rather have him in the AHL playing every night and as have opposed Jake to in sitting the press box, right? Because they're much more comfortable with Jake Bischoff not playing. <laughs> That's oh. a strange way of looking at things, by the way. I are mean, you, they, are you just going to sit next to Jake in the press box, or you just? I think walk? that's against the rules, but I'll yeah, I don't think you, I don't think you get that close to those guys. But you know what? Uh, did you listen to the game at all? No. So Dave Gosher, um, play-by-play guy on TV, was saying that doctors gave Jake Bischoff a twenty-five percent chance of ever playing hockey again. Which was because well he had an in, he did not play last year he had an injury and has not played hadn't played hockey in like it was like eighteen months or something like that until this preseason and it's the Golden Knights so they don't I have no idea what he hurt they haven't right. they've never said what he hurt but he said he had a twenty five percent chance of coming back and he did say at one point that it was similar to the Eric Halla injury remember when Which he got hurt knee? on the boards. Um, so I don't know exactly what happened, but he didn't play for eighteen months, which is that's longer than just ACL, right? Like that's that could be ACL plus other things, right? Or something went wrong, and re- I don't know. But like generally, you don't you're not out for eighteen months if it's just an ACL. So, but a twenty five percent chance of ever playing again. If it was a knee, and they said twenty five percent, then he tore up that knee pretty well. Yeah. If I mean, it's a huge if here because they won't say anything, right? Like that's for, to go from hey, there's a seventy five percent chance you're never going to play this sport again to. Hey, you might make the team. Right. He's playing in preseason NHL games, and maybe he's going to be the seventh. I mean, he's either going to be the seventh defenseman or he's going to be playing like 20 minutes a night in Henderson. Right. It's pretty, I mean, fairly impressive. Like, and what the hell was he doing for these 18 months? I knew he was hurt, but I didn't know it was, oh, his career might be over. Boy, this saves you. From what? Your favorite player. You don't want this guy. You don't want this guy not playing ever again. Oh, absolutely. And I also want him on the Golden Knights team, even if he's in the press box. You want him in a suit oh, more yeah, yeah. than you want him down in the AHL. Yeah, yeah. I want him in the in the press box in a suit more than I want him in the AHL. <laughs> 100%. No doubt about that. All right. Coming up next, Kevin Kruger joins the show. Up to Bryce. Oh, my gosh. Another offensive foul. And Kevin Kruger is in absolute disbelief. Just absolute disbelief that they called that on Bryce Hamilton. As Kijab hit the deck, he and Bryce are both laughing. That was... Uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of bad ones, but that might have been one of the worst ones. You're sitting in the press box with Granny and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now, the head coach of the Running Rebels is Kevin Kruger. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, Kevin how, how are you are this you, morning? Man. Good morning, guys. How often would you say you are in disbelief on the sideline? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that's about the 
third time we played that one. So uh, I don't know. Maybe next maybe next time I'll get a different one. It's some of our favorite. It's one of our favorite highlights is Kevin Kruger being in uh, disbelief. disbelief. It's it's very good. Um, so on Friday, you guys are having a sneak peek, giving a ch- uh, fans a chance to uh, see and meet the team before the season kicks off. That's Friday night at Thomas and Mac. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know, maybe I'm going to butter you up here, but I, I would say in your tenure, I think you have done and the program have done about as good a job as I think I've seen UNLV do of giving your players and giving the fans an opportunity to meet your players and like get to know the team with events like this. Wow. Is that, is that, is that a question there? I'm just giving you the statement. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, but we're, that's a, you know, as you guys know, being a part of the community and being part of UNLV, it's a, it's important to, you know, have the guys around the, the, the city and around the running rebel fans. And so any opportunity we can to do that and, and get them out, of, you know, around the fans and with the kids is, you know, we want to do it. It makes the guys feel good to get out there and, and have people come watch them. So we enjoy doing it. Is it the flip side also with the alumni to have your kids uh, know them and know what happened before they came? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we spend a lot of time, you know, embracing and, and celebrating the history of UNLV. Um, you know, not, of course, just the, the final four teams or the title team, but, you know, all the way back to the, to the 70s, early 70s. And, you know, we had our Legends event at the football game a few weeks ago. Unbelievable turnout. And uh, we've had them come through practices and, I mean, the guys just enjoy it. Uh, I said that nice thing about you, but I also do have to yell at you. Um, is there a reason that this is the same night that UNLV football plays a game? Well, it's before it, but they're on the they're on the they're on the road, aren't they? <laughs> they are. They're, they're on the road. But, they're on know, the road. People are going to have to leave the sneak peek and get home quickly, and they'll probably miss the opening kickoff. I'll see. I'll see if we can cut the sneak peek short. <laughs> just put it on the put it on the video board in the middle of the Thomas and Mac. That should work, shouldn't it? Well, we'll be done before we'll be done before kickoff. Okay, all right. I just just you know got to yell at you a little bit. All right, I wanted to ask you this question because, uh, given you know you talked uh, a lot about San Diego State last year and the way that they've built their program as sort of a model program before you guys played them a couple of times, and then given the way this offseason went with the players you learned out of the transfer portal. Is it unfair of us to say that you are sort of trying to build your team and your program similar to what San Diego State has done? I don't think it's unfair, but I think you could pick, you know, I'm going to give San Diego State a lot of credit, but also not all the credit. I mean, you know, you could pick a number of, of just, you know, good programs over the last 20 years that were built with, with, some tr- with transfers. And so I think, yeah, I think on the West Coast they might be the most, recognizable one, but just, just bringing in good guys that, that care about, about winning and, and want to play the game for a long time. Uh, I think it, that's the way we're, we're trying to do it. And yeah, I mean, you could go all the way back to when Fisher first got there of grabbing a handful of transfers and getting it going that way. And, but I think in, in today's game in the landscape today of, of the transfer portal and guys moving around as much as they do, um, I'm not really sure how many programs are going to be left that are, are building and grooming three and four year uh, players for out of high school. What have you been? Uh, I know it's a small sample size; it hasn't been much. But uh, in terms of official practices, what have you been most surprised with? Um, I think just how competitive they've been. You know, we've, we've just uh, we've gotten a lot of up and down. We've got a lot of of reps in of, of playing against each other, and just how competitive they've been. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of times when 
a lot of teams, when you put them in that closer quarters and make them compete as much as we have, uh, they're going to lose sight of things. But, you know, this group's done a really good job of, uh, of kind of keeping their, their focus together and, and just making sure that, you know, the, the, at, at the end of the day, the goal is still for, you know, you to be happy for your teammate, for, for UNLV to either score or get a stop. And, you know, it's the, and as long as we can kind of keep that in mind, I think we've got a group that, that'll be good enough to, to, uh, to do a lot of good things. How good do you think this team can be defensively? And I'll, I'll let you answer that as specifically or vague as you want about goals for this team on the defensive side. Oh, I think this is a team that has a chance to be, you know, as, kind of almost as good as we, we want to be. I think uh, we've got, you know, we've got length. We've got experience. Um, we've got guys with high basketball IQ. Uh, we've got guys with that have played some, some meaningful minutes at, in uh, in big time games and so i think if as long as we can kind of blend them together and and make them play for each other and, and kind of read and react off each other i think this is a group that could really just force a lot of difficult shots and and have a lot of fun doing so how good can you be on the other end and is that where like a month into the season uh, i know you can't you know you don't know what's going to happen a month of the season but if you had to predict that would be the uh, improvement that you see on the other end yeah, I think the offensive side is one of those things. You know, even you know last year, I think that was one of the the bigger differences was just how much uh, through the games and through the repetitions, how much better we got offensively. Um, the turnovers continued to lower as the season went on. The field goal percentages went up, and I think that's one of the things that it's just really hard to replicate. You know, throughout the through practice, just because every team's got a little bit different defensive identity, and you know some teams do do it one way other teams do it another way so it's it's hard to prepare for everything you're going to see early uh through the summer but you know again this is a group that's you know we're athletic uh we've got some good size especially on the perimeter i think if we can just uh, keep the mindset of, of getting into the paint and driving and kicking for each other and making plays for each other then uh we should have a lot of success offensively and i think that's what the group did last year especially as the year went on you know finishing 25th in the country in a percent of our field goals that were assisted um, is, is, is really something that that group should be proud of. Uh, big picture in college basketball. How, what do you think would change? How big of a difference would it be if the NBA drops their requirement and lets players go straight from high school to the NBA again? Um, I think it'll definitely have an, a, a little bit of an impact. Uh, you know, there's always the kind of the trickle down effect that where it'll, it'll affect a lot of people. If you think you got somebody coming to campus and not only do they leave, but then what is, what do they do? Of, what does the school do about, filling that spot and, uh, and, and, and who leaves what other commitment or what, I mean, that, you know, as, as you know, the, the effect could be seen throughout a whole handful of teams, but I mean, I, I don't really have a personal feel on this issue, whether or not it should or shouldn't be done. But I think uh, it's definitely something that it, it would definitely change it in the immediate and then be something you got to keep an eye on. Who do you early on absolutely need to be your leaders in terms of in terms of others not or developing later on? Like who has to come out right away and lead this team? Well, I think our leaders, you know, having EJ Harkless come from Oklahoma, Keyshawn Gilbert coming back, uh, you know, Jordan McCabe coming back, uh, you know, Luis Rodriguez coming from Ole Miss. I think, you know, we've got to rely on those guys every day. You know, uh, you know, with Keyshawn and Jordan being here knowing us as a staff, knowing daily life here. Uh, EJ, you know, we've known him for a long time, of course, and being at Oklahoma, but, 
you know, having that experience, uh, you know, scoring, being a double digit scorer at the, in the Big 12 level, you know, having, you know, Lou Rodriguez come over from Ole Miss and, and, and being in meaningful games and meaningful times. I mean, those are the guys you got to lean on and you got to blend them together. And, and I think that they've got to kind of lead the way in terms of what life is like here and what, you know, what needs to be done though on the court and, and kind of figuring that out. And those other, the other guys need to kind of look to them to a certain extent. Is there going to be a dunk contest Friday night? A dunk contest? Possibly. Would you like one? Yeah, well, of course. That, wait, of course. Who doesn't want a dunk contest? Okay, then we'll have a dunk contest. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Don't do that with this guy. Don't allow this guy to, like, dictate what's going to happen at the sneak peek. I don't know. Kevin, well, he already, got, he already got, apparently, some kickoff times and TV, TV negotiations <laughs> yeah. moved. Yeah. So. We got to get it. You want the dunk contest? I don't think that's too much to ask. Uh, All right. Sneak uh, peek Friday night at Thomas and Mac for the UNLV basketball team before the season starts. He's Kevin Kruger, head coach of the Running Rebels. Kevin, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Take care, man. All right. Thanks, guys. See you. Uh, So there's Kevin Kruger. I'm going to, I'm going to fill out a whole schedule and send it to him and see if he likes it. On what they should do. Yeah. Yeah. Sneak peek. Yeah. Get the dunk contest in. Let's go. You didn't want a three point contest? No, yeah, you do that too, obviously. That's the, that's the easy one to do, though, is a shooting contest of some sort. But the dunk contest, it's a little bit harder to do. Because here's the thing. A dunk contest is hard to pull off because how many guys do you have that can actually do, like, tricks when they dunk? Well, and you also need judges. Yeah, well, Would you like to be a judge? Ju- anybody can Would judge. Would you like to be a judge? I won't be there. Don't tell anybody. You, you just up- got a dunk contest <laughs> and you're not going to be there? You're not showing up? <laughs> You'll be home uh, watching uh, football. I will be in Phoenix, Arizona. Don't tell anybody. So you can't watch either? No, I will not be watching either. I'll be watching a recording of San Jose State UNLV the next day, probably. All right. Well, I'm sure you, I'm glad you didn't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But yeah, but no, see, the problem with the dunk contest is you've got to have like at least four guys. Four guys guys who can do do things other than run up and dunk. Right. And that's. That's hard. Like it's hard I, to do things in the yeah. air when you dunk. I I absolutely love that. Like dunking is really hard, and we're like, yeah, but do, could you could you do a little trick? <laughs> yeah, do a twist in the air. You know, put it between your legs, throw it off the backboard to yourself. If he yeah. finds out you're going to be in Phoenix, don't dunk, tell him that dunk contest is off. Don't tell him. No, it's, <laughs> it's I'm, never. Existing. I'm looking out for everybody else. I yeah, am, I which am a is man which is yeah yeah which is what you usually do when you when UNLV fans show up they want to see the players on the team dunk yeah the dunk so that, contest that's what is you gonna be, it's going to be later on it's going to run into that kickoff <laughs> it's now it now, it's now, now is going to be now long. run into the kickoff <laughs> all right so, yeah also you brought that up you know it, what channel is that game on that is a good point uh, CBS Sports CBS yeah so that's yeah, yeah. that it's not starting on time no matter what good point yeah yeah listen here on ESPN Las Vegas for the start of UNLV San Jose State because we will have it uh we're at CBS Sports Network probably won't all right coming up next Tom Brady and Giselle are they getting divorced I've definitely done that before that's oh yeah if I see a player that I think is not functioning properly for some reason it hasn't been identified then absolutely I would and I yeah I have done that I would say not recently. Those are things that have happened, you know, at other points in my career. But, yeah, absolutely. If the player doesn't look like he's functioning properly, we evaluate him with the medical people. But even if the medical people were to clear a player, we still go through a coaching clearance to make sure that he's ready to play football, not just medically cleared. We always have a secondary evaluation on that. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. 
Apparently, my dog peed on my pillow this morning. Oh, no. Is that a text you got? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Oh, no. I was going to say. I was no. not there. Apparently. <laughs> no. How'd you miss it? No, I just got a text saying, I need to buy you a new pillow. And I was like, what happened? The new dog? <laughs> yeah. And he's never gone to the bathroom in the house once. Like he, So he's just mad at you. Apparently. Or he was mad that he didn't get to go down and outside in time. Are the dogs allowed on the bed? Well, of course, it appears they 100%. are. A hundred percent. Oh, are man. They? You, you got to set yeah. boundaries. Yeah. Ours is we, we, I don't know if we made a mistake, but about a month ago, we said, darn it, just just let him up on the couch with us. Now forget about it. Nowhere else. He has his own cushion on the couch, too. Yeah, the couch is a big yeah. thing for them. They they want to be like us. They want to be humans. We have we have a couch with three. They're pretty big cushions, and each of our dogs have their own cushion. And then when we sit on the couch, we share a cushion with them. Yeah, if we're all on the couch together. Sure. Yeah. Um, so of course, but my my fiance wants the dog to sleep in the bed with us. This is the one dog. Yeah. Well, yeah, she'd be fine with either one. Right. But only one of them actually does. The fourteen year old Shih Tzu will. Sleep by our feet and then get mad if we move our feet. So okay. she doesn't actually stay. She she might lay up there for a little bit, but then she jumps down and has a bed that she sleeps in. Okay. Um. But yeah, she fiance wants wants all the dogs to lay right around her and like snuggle with her and right. keep her warm or whatever. Like that's what she wants to happen. So dog sleeping on the beds a no brainer was always going to happen. Even if the dog didn't want to sleep on the bed, she'd put you're it putting on the bed. You're putting yeah. the dog up. Be like, get up here. You're sleeping on the bed. But yeah, oh yeah, he absolutely does. No problem whatsoever. Well, if he's peeing on your pillow, I hope I hope he's on the bed when he's doing that. If not, he's very talented. Would be very talented. He's very, he's very talented that dog. Wouldn't if he's not bad. in the bed, I'd be impressed if, he if he's not in the bed and he's peeing uh, on your uh, <laughs> and you're peeing on your uh, uh, pillow, then you got to start showing him. But take him to shows. Here's the thing that I just realized: I'm old. I'm picky about what kind of pillow I want. Oh, that she has to buy you a new one. Well, she doesn't have to. Like, we've got plenty of pillows in our house. But I'm like, I don't like any of our other pillows. <laughs> so you want your own, your new one. Yeah, I, I want to, I need to go find one that I actually like. Because wow. all the other ones I don't, because I, I don't, I, the ones I like are like um, spongy foam or whatever. Right. I don't like whatever the normal pillows are. What feathers? They don't put actual So this is the first timer for him. Peeing in the bed or any, yeah. In the house. In yeah, the house. Oh, 100%. Oh, was a, is, he's 100% potty trained. So I have no idea if he was mad at something. Hopefully he's not sick or something weird like that. I'm hoping it's just he had to go to the bathroom. It was a one-off. And she didn't get up in time. Yeah, it was a one-off. Or something weird like that. Ed used to sell pillows on this radio station. <laughs> Maybe he could hook you up. Is that guy still allowed to sell pillows? I mean, based on flipping through uh, DirecTV and there being like an hour and a half commercial that was like banned pillows. <laughs> banned pillows. My pillow and Aunt Jemima banned. All right. I did want to talk a little bit about Tom Brady and Giselle. Um, according to the New York Post, they have hired divorce lawyers. Uh, they've also been living separately for a little while. Here's my main question. Did these two not sign a prenup? Oh. <sighs> think that wealth you'd have to have some right? kind of agreement right wouldn't you with their both their levels of wealth i would think so and they got married in 2019 after they had kids right, right. like they were together for a while and then got married it's not like they got married three months hey, after dating or something the most impressive thing about this entire story is when i was i had to run to a meeting yesterday I had to leave a little early that Lindsay knew the names of each kid oh my god I thought that was well it was impressive and weird at the same time right by the way. <laughs> 
when she was naming off his kids and their ages. Yes. That was, I mean, I was given a golf clap. Concerning. Yes, it was. I was given a golf clap on the way home, that, and yet then I started worrying about her. <laughs> it was very strange. That's <laughs> that's definitely why you need. That's that's the kind of that's why you bring Lindsay in yeah. is for that that's level the programming of programming yeah. we need right there. That was like I'm like, and then she knew about Jack, and then his name was like Jack Thomas or Jack John, named after the father, the first one that, he, and then. Which I knew that he had with Bridget Moynihan. I knew that, but I didn't know. Like I forgot. I didn't know the kids' names. Yeah, and his initials. I just knew he had out a son. Um, here's here's the thing. I sometimes forget which of my nieces and nephews belong to which of my brothers and sisters. Wow, that's just like I absolutely I know, no interest whatsoever. I know all of their names. I just occasionally will assign the wrong name to the wrong kid. Yeah, you like presents and stuff? No, just like just like thinking or talking about them or whatever. I'll be like, ah, I don't remember which one is which. So you're talking to one of your siblings. You're like, how's Johnny? And he's and the siblings like, I, I don't have no know. Idea. I right, haven't, exactly. I haven't talked to Mary. Yes. So I mean, I don't 100%. know how Johnny's doing. One hundred percent. My sister did make it easy because she named they named their first kid after her husband. So I got that one down. Jack is I got it nailed down. Is your sister's son? Yes, because she married Jack. So okay. I got that one. But then it's Owen, Kaysen, and Noah. And you really have I, no I know them. I know to. them right now, but there will be times when I'm talking. I'm like, where's Noah? I don't know which one Noah is. <laughs> <laughs> Just no interest whatsoever in children. Nah, they're fine. Not for me to be around longer than three hours at a time, but they're fine. They're family.